I want to speak this morning on Jesus, Master of the wind and the waves. I want to be devotional and gather around him and try and encourage God's people this morning in their faith to trust in the Lord. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, Curse thou not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want you to do just now is I just want you to take just a few seconds and in your own quietness just say, Lord, speak to me this morning. Speak to me. Deal with me this morning. Whatever it is, speak to me. Let's just for a few seconds bow our head. So, eternal Father, we ask you now to answer every prayer. We've prayed for the the lost this morning. We've prayed for the sick this morning. We've prayed for the mourning this morning. So, Father, now we ask you to answer every prayer from every head that was bowed, from everyone that says, Lord, will you speak to my heart this morning? Then, Lord, we know that if we ask you, you will help us to Hear the word of the Lord this morning. May it be a thus and thus, saith the Lord, to every person in this house. And may we take up what you have said to us and led upon us and glorify your name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. The Lord Jesus has just had what we would call an hectic day. A really hectic day. Such a busy schedule that he had that day would be more than enough for any man, even the very strongest and most resilient of men would have been wearied and completely shattered and exhausted by now. He'd been teaching, preaching. He was healing the sick and casting out devils, fighting the very devils and demons of hell. In the midst of all of this, there is a blasphemous accusation. And that which Christ has done for the good, it is attributed to the devil. And also, his mother and his brothers come to a house where he's been ministering 
And by now, in the heat of the day, it's packed full, jam-packed full. And the people are outside. There's no room at the door. There's no room to move. So you can imagine the, the closeness of it and even the, nearly the claustrophobic would not want to be around it. Christ is in the middle of all of this and he goes outside, then he goes back in the house and he comes back out again. And he's ministering inside and out and he's not wanting to leave any ear unheard of the word nor anyone untouched by his hand. And so in Mark chapter 3 and verse 20, it tells us the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. The Lord here has been ministering and there hasn't even been a bite to eat. There hasn't been time to eat. And they couldn't even get eaten any bread. And verse 10 of chapter 3 tells us, For he healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him, notice, for to touch him. For they pressed upon him, for to touch him. See the idea here, for they pressed upon him, for to touch him. It gives the idea they were so compact and compressed around him, that they were falling literally against him and actually colliding with him, smashing off him. This wasn't a little organized uh, meeting that he had where everyone sat down gently and everyone were very quiet. This was a hectic day. This was men and women who pressed in because they needed something from Christ. And the idea was that it actually got very dangerous for him. You think of sometimes today when you see uh, maybe actors or someone famous pop stars or whatever, and they're thronged with crowds. It's the ideas like that. It wasn't a, 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 very, uh, a very calm atmosphere, but rather it was a hectic one. And he's exhausted. He hasn't eaten. And the people were colliding, bumping, smashing right into him. And so the disciples thought he'll get him into the house, the house was crowded. So when they go out again, when they go out to, the, out to the seashore and the crowds are following him and they come to the edge of the shore, the only other way is to the sea. There's a small boat there, a little ship. And he gets into this little ship and he uses this little boat as his platform with the sea being a boundary to keep back the people. Uh, it's his pulpit, if you want, and he sits down in the boat on the sea to speak to the people. It's the only rest that he could get. They were thronging him. Such was the nature of the crowd. And it's strange because that's Mark chapter 3 going into 4. By the time we get into chapter 6, there's another storm. There's another multitude that he feeds. And again, the disciples are in the midst of the sea, and the Lord isn't with them. And we know the story that he comes walking to them upon the waves of the sea in Mark chapter 6 and verse 48. Notice, he comes walking to them upon the waves of the sea. Yet in Mark chapter 3, he sits in a boat on the sea. So when the crowd thronged him, why did the Lord Jesus not simply walk out onto the sea as he does in Mark chapter 6? Why not, Lord, just walk right out off the shore onto the sea and walk on top of it and show your power and show your glory? Why get in a boat and be pushed out a little and sit on a boat? Why use some things that man has built 
that you, in order, may teach them. Well, listen, if he had have walked out onto the sea at that time, he could have surely shown them his power because listen to what it says in Job chapter 9 and verse 8. Speaking of Yahweh or Jehovah, listen to what it says. It says that he alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. That Jehovah alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. So if the Lord Jesus had just walked right out onto the seashore, this great multitude, if they had known Job and had heard in the synagogue or wherever they were, the reading of the word, surely they would have realized he's Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He's the great Yah God, the creator, the Elohim of the universe, for he spreads out the heavens and he walks upon or treads upon the waves of the sea. Jesus, why did you not do it? Listen to Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 22. Fear ye not, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bounds of the sea by a perpetual decree, that it cannot pass, and though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet, yet they cannot pass over it. The Lord says, Jeremiah, tell my people, I'm the God who says to the ocean, see the great Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean, do you see all the seas of the world and the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea and all those seas? He says, thus far and no further. He set that line of sand, as it were, as a boundary, not to cross over. And at times when the sea gets angry and at times when the sea gets cross, when the sea gets boisterous, it also tries to lap over. And listen, this earth, there's far more water in the earth than there is land. There's far more water on this earth as in sea, salt water, than there is actual land or earth. So the Lord has been able to say, I want you to stay there and it'll roar and it'll charge and it'll get on to try and overflow the earth. But the Lord has spoken his word and the authority of the word of God stops. And the sea cannot. Lest the Lord was to speak again. He says, why? Do people not realize who I am? And why do men not tremble at my presence? Listen, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Creation will groan at his presence and for his glory. And yet there's men and women and we just take his presence as if it's not there. Something else. He's unrecognized by many not only in the world because they're dead in their sin, but by many in the church. And, and it becomes so complacent in, in them that no longer do they appreciate who he is. That's God says this morning to you, I'm the one who stretched forth the heavens. And I'm the one who made a bound for the seas and keeps it there by the word of my power. And I'm the one who treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Oh, Jesus, if you had just walked out upon the waves of the sea, they would have known right away who you were. But why get on a boat? 
We have to remember the dual nature of Christ, that he is almighty God. And he's also man. He is also man. And he comes right down into our sufferings. God came right down into your suffering. He came right down to taste for you. He came right down to die for you. He came right down that he would suffer the things that you and I suffer, that he would understand us. Notice this. In John chapter 2, we have the wedding at the Cana of Galilee, and they run out of the wine. And Mary, our Lord's mother, comes to him, and she asks him to go and make more wine for them, or get more wine. And he tells them to fill those great big uh, vessels with water, and to pour it forth, and the wine will come out. Now, that seems a really strange request when the Lord says, do this, and I'll do that. Why not just say, there's the wine, see it red? Because, see, the Lord wants us to partake in in, in the things that he does. The Lord wants us to have faith and to to work in those things that he has given us to do. He wants us to take on board what he says and realize the authority of his word and spirit. And he wants us to believe him for what he says. And so he says, go and pour forth, and as you pour, the wine will come. But before this happens, and he comes to the the wedding and his mother comes and and says they need wine. Listen to what he says. He says, mine hour is not yet come. Mine hour is not yet come. And again in John chapter 7, Jesus said to his disciples in regard of going to the feast of the tabernacles, they were to go on because he said, my time is not yet come. Mine hour is not yet come. John 7, he says, my time is not yet come. Then in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 18, he says to them concerning the Passover lamb, the Passover feast, and of course his death, he says, my time is at hand. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. See where you are in your life this morning, your Christian walk, It's for a season when you're going through the tough times. Some seasons may be like Northern Ireland weather, liquid sunshine in the summertime. Liquid sunshine in the, or snow is it, in the wintertime. And it seems this one season goes on for such a long period and for such a long time, but it is a season you must stay faithful in it. You must keep believing in it. You must keep trusting in it because in that season, God is showing you and teaching you something in it. And you will come forth into a new season, a better season, a blessed season. Notice everything, there's a time. Jesus says, this is my time for the cross. There was a day, there was a time, there was a place, there was an hour in eternity past that looked to the cross in the future. And that time couldn't come one second, one millisecond or one moment sooner than it did. It couldn't come late and it couldn't come early. So Jesus, why did you not walk upon the water? Maybe it just wasn't his time to do that. Lord, What about me? What about me, Lord? 
Why are you not doing this? And why are you not doing that? Why are you not doing the other thing? Why is it not happening this way? Let me tell you why. Because maybe it's just not his time. You may be thinking that God is not moving because he's not walking on the water to you. But maybe God is just sitting coming down to your human level to minister in a different way to you at this present moment in time. And nevertheless, he's there. Maybe it wasn't his time, it wasn't his hour. But you and I, brothers and sisters, we must learn to accept the wisdom of God on all matters and issues. We must be resting in his will Yielding to his sovereignty, trusting his heart, waiting on his perfect timing. And it's the old saying is, God's delays are not his denials. Grip it. Grab it. Take it and run with it this morning. God's delays are not God's denials. Jesus uses a boat than display his power. But take note, even though he used the boat and didn't walk on the water, this did not detract from the truth. It did not take away from whom he was nor who he is. It did not take away what he could do and was willing to do. Here in full humanity, the one who set the bounds of the sea, he's now humbled himself to sit upon a boat as a man. Lord, I can't understand this today. Listen, Romans 11 and verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Sometimes we just... And it's good to find out the ways of God. And it's good to seek after the Lord. And it's good to desire Him. And it's good to chase after the things of Christ. But there are things that we just do not understand or can comprehend until revelation comes. But that does not detract from whom He is, nor His will, nor what He wants to do for you. It does not detract from that. There are many times and occasions and there are many things which we just cannot understand and we search for these matters. We search for answers. We question, we query and we often get down, disheartened, disillusioned, feeling dejected. But know this, brother, know this, sister. Whether you and I understand what's happening or not, it does not change the fact that our God is Almighty God. That our God is real, that He is true, that He is sovereign, that He is still on the throne, that He is in control, that He is in charge, He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, He is with you, He is omnipresent, that He he still has a plan, He still has a purpose, and it's still unfolding, and you are part of that. He is and He will perform His word to you, through you and in you and for you. And 
he will perfect his elect according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Listen, as God, he walks upon the sea. As man, he gets in a boat. As God, he knows all about you. He knows all about me. As a man, he understands you. And he understands me. He knows your pain. He knows your oppression. He knows what it's like to feel weary, to feel tired, to be, uh, to be shouted down. He knows what it's like to, for men to chase after him, to seek his life. He knows what it's like to be discarded. He knows all of that. He knows what it's like even to feel your sickness. You know why? Because he took it in his own body. He knows what you're feeling. He knows every sickness that's in this house and everyone who hears that word. He knows what it's like for he bore it in his own body. He bore cancer in his body. He bore diabetes in his body. He bore heart disease in his body. He bore tumors, the curse of it in his body. Every sickness and every disease and every sin and every shame that we had, Jesus paid it all. As a man, he understands you this morning. He who is the fountain of all water, all waters has set it a well and says, Uh, give, Give me drink to a woman there. He's the one who cried, I thirst on a cross. The one who says, I am the bread of life, had no time this day to even eat bread. As God, as Almighty God, He knows all about us. But as a man, He understands us. So if he needs to show his power, his glory, and his authority to walk upon the waves of the sea or speak in power and authority directly into your storm, directly into your life, if he needs to speak in power and move in power directly into where you are, your seemingly sinking ship that we had in our reading, the sinking ship of your faith and the sinking ship of your hope and the sinking ship of your thinking, the sinking ship of your life, even when our illnesses are bringing us down and the very seemingly sinking ship, if he needs to walk on water to save you and rescue you, then he will. Listen, when Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in the prison and at midnight, they began to sing praises unto God. Listen, what did he do? He sent a great earthquake. The shackles fell off and the chains were broken and the gates of the prison swung open. He saved the Philippian jailer in his house. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't it strange the one they get him and they throw him into prison? Ah, he's an old prisoner. He's a transgressor. He's this, that, and the other. But surely when the earthquake and the power of God moves, you know what happens? Men looked at him and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
He sent an earthquake to release them, yet he sent an angel. He sent an angel to fetch Peter. There's a reason for us to pray. There's a reason for us as a church to get together and pray. There's a reason for us to worship together. Prayer and praises brought an earthquake of God, released the captives. Prayer brought the angel. God has a thousand ways to answer every prayer. Wherever you are this morning in your own life, in your sinking ship, and the waves are beating into it, listen, he remains the same. He hasn't changed. Not one bit, not one jot nor tittle. He is the Word of God incarnate. He is the Word in flesh, and He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. He was God when He sat on the boat. You need to get this. He was God when he sat on the boat. He was as much of God as he sat on that boat as he was when he walked on the sea. You see, sometimes we forget, we think, Lord, where are you in this situation because you're not coming this way? But suddenly the Lord says, but I'm here ministering to you all the way. I'm doing it my way. You see, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And he says, as the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts and my ways and your ways. He says, you see, you can't comprehend my ways because my thoughts are far greater than yours. My thoughts are far bigger than yours. I have a bigger plan. Um, and even as I was praying on our prayer meeting this morning, Lord, help us to take you out of this box. Because sometimes the Lord's in a box in our own mentality and, and he can't move any further than this. And 2020 vision determines where we are in our life. And 2020 vision determines where we are in our faith. And 2020 vision determines what we take in and what we believe. And what we take in is what we will believe. But when we take in the Word of God, when we take in what God says about you, when you take in what He says about your sickness, when He takes in what He says about the loss of this world coming to faith, then we start to act in faith and move in faith and believe God for bigger, greater things. Lord, where are you in my life? I'm with you every way, all the time. Notice this. He was God when he sat on the cross, or when he sat on the boat. He was God when he slept in the boat in our reading, and he was God when he hung on the cross. Some people have this thought that he stopped being God when he hung on the cross, that all of a sudden he wasn't God anymore. Listen, he was very God, a very God. He was always God. Philippians chapter 2, what's known as the great kenosis passage where he lays aside his deity. Some theologians believe that all of a sudden he was just, he was God, but he laid it aside to the point where he wasn't God. He was always God. He just veiled himself. He was always almighty. And in your life, you might be seeing the impossibility and looking and saying, well, Lord, you're not the God that I, I, I look to now anymore. You're not the God that I think of anymore. You're not the God who I serve anymore. You're not the God who I follow anymore. But rather, I want you to be the God of my mind. And impossibilities become like 
mountains before us and our giants. Instead of realizing when we see the man Christ Jesus, we believe that he is almighty God veiled in the flesh. And he's always God, whether it's sitting on a boat or walking around the streets of Jerusalem, whether he's in Judea, Samaria, or Galilee, or whether, or whether he's hanging on a cross, he was always God. He never ceased from being God, but in his humility, he took on him the form of a man. Listen, his gentleness in your life is as potent as his power in your life. David says, thy gentleness hath made me great. His gentleness in your life is as potent as his power in your life. The tenderest touch of Christ is as mighty as the wrathful hand of God. The meekest voice from Christ is as active and as living as the creative word of Elohim, the God who formed all things by his power. When Christ spoke, it's the same word that spoke. It says, let there be light. And there was light. It's the same. So in Mark chapter 4 and verse 36 says, and when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. They took him. The idea is they took the Lord Jesus under their care because as a man, he became so exhausted. As a man, he became so wearied. As a man, he became so exhausted, it's as though he could stand no more. And is it any wonder that we read that when he gets into the boat, he falls fast asleep in the ship? Even the wind and the waves don't wake him up. Mark 4 verse 37 says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Verse 8 says, Now he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. The wind and the waves which came caused them to fear. And the wind and the waves caused them to forget. It caused them to panic and so it caused them to sink. And faith, not only what they saw about sinking that they were in, they thought, well, we're sinking too. Do you ever get like that? You can't see a way out of this. And you can't see any victory in it. And you're wearied and you're tired of it. And you're saying, there's nothing more that I can do here. I'm just going to have to go down with the rest of them. No, 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 brothers and sisters. Jesus is still in the vessel. Did you hear me? Jesus is still in the vessel. Jesus is still in your storm. Verse 35, you see, the Lord Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. I need you to grasp this. I want you to grasp it for when you leave here today and when you're getting about your business tomorrow and the next day and so on. Jesus had said unto them, let us go over. He didn't say, let us go under. 
He said, let us go over. Will you say, let us go over? Let us go over. Will you say it again? Let us go over. We're going over. We're not going under. Say it one more time and say it loud and let the devil hear it. Let us go over. You see, we're already in victory. It's being declared by the one who framed the heavens. It's been declared and decreed by the one who set the, the seashore as the bounds of the sea. And even though they roar, they can't pass it. Let us go over, he says. His word will not return unto him void, brothers and sisters. I'm never going to make it. I'm going under. You're not going under. The devil wants you to think you're going under. The devil wants you to think you're drowning. But when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, saith the Lord. And he says, when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. It's time to take the word of God and live it. And live it. You're not going under. You're going over. In Jesus' name and authority of his word, notice, let us go over to the other side. So no matter what size the storm was, no matter how strong the wind was, no matter how great the waves were, even if Jesus had slept on and never had woken up, his word was declared and decreed. They wouldn't have sank. They couldn't have sank. They can't. Because Jesus said it. In Mark chapter 6, see this is important, this is why you need to take this with you. In Mark chapter 6, in the other storm, and I've preached on it before, when the Lord walks to them in the midst of the sea, the Lord isn't with them in the ship this time. Two chapters later, he's not with them in the ship. The disciples are on their own and there's a great storm comes and they're afraid. But Jesus isn't there, but he comes walking on the waves of the sea. Here's something what we must understand. God wants you to know his word. He wants you to know who you are in Christ. He wants you to know the authority of his word because whenever you think Christ is in there, You need to believe not only that he is with you, that he does see, that he does know, but you need to know the authority of the word. Two chapters later, he's not there. They should have said, no, no storm. Jesus says, go to the other side. We're going over. We're going over. Are you with me? Devil says, you're never going to make it. (laughs) You can never do it. Oh, hold on, devil. The word of God says, I can do all things through Christ. The devil says, oh, the sickness will take you. You say, hold on, devil. The word of God says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm so low and down, I'll never be able to praise again. Oh, no. For thou art a shield for me and my glory. You're the lifter of my head. It's been spoken. It's been said. It's been declared and it is decreed over God's people that you are on the victory side, that you're on the winning side and we have a great commander and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to close this. I might have to do a second morning on this one next week. 
Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea, showing that he is the master of the wind and the waves. And verse 39 says, He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And maybe you've come in this morning and there's a great storm in your life. You need to take this word with you. Just what we've been saying. This storm is drowning you out. This, this storm is filling your boat. This storm is going to cause you to sink. This storm is blowing you left or right. The idea of this storm, by the way, gives the idea that there was, it was so violent, the place was shaking with it. It was in the basin, the, the Sea of Galilee is in a basin. And the storm came rolling down and just swirled about all over the place. And so, there's a great storm. Maybe your boat's being overflown this morning and filled with the waves of your troubles, the waves of fear, and the waves of doubt, and the waves of anxiety. You need to take this with you. Notice, there's a great storm in verse 37. The authority of the word says to the wind and the waves, rebukes it and says, be still. The word there gives the idea of someone speaking to a dog and says, be muzzled. Be muzzled. I'm not taking this anymore from you, devil. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this word or not because I got told off one time by one of the kids. It's not here. Shut up. We have a young preacher coming up here. How old is he now? He's coming six. And he goes home and he preaches back home every time he's out of home and he's coming out of church and he stands at the fireplace and he's preaching like, I'm Pastor Ken, preaching. And I said, so up one time, and he says, that's, you shouldn't say, that's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> but that's the idea of it. He says, shut up. The authority and the power of the word of God There was a great storm with a great Christ in the middle. And notice this, verse 41, or or rather verse 39, there's a great calm. A great calm. See the word great, it's the same as a great storm. It's a word magus. A maga storm comes, but Christ comes and speaks into it, and there's a maga calm. A mighty calm comes. Will you let the word of the Lord calm your heart this morning? Will you take the authority of the word and speak into that this morning and let it calm you? Verse 41 says, there was a great fear. They feared exceedingly. The word of fear and exceedingly is the same word magus again. And, it's a, and it means they had a great reverence and fear and wonder. They were dumbstruck at him. You see, we have lost the awe and the wonder. We have lost the amazement of Christ. He's amazing. He's awesome. He's full of wonder. And we have lost it. And they stand they go, what manner of man is this? Oh, how about praising him and saying, what manner of man is this? Let's tell you what manner of man he is. He is the son of the living God. God of very gods. Clothed in flesh. Who hung on a cross. Bled and died for you and me. And rose again the third day, victorious over death, the grave, and the devil. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We are overcomers 
in him. Overcome this morning. And may you conquer the storm through the authority of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning.